you live. Let me okay. rest for a second. Appreciate you, brother. God bless you. You can be seated. As Brother Wells said, I am here to bore you. And uh, a tough job this morning. I'm dealing with books, and some of you already checked out on this. But the truth of the matter is, books is not what is important. The truth of the matter is, if you have a passion to preach the Word of God, and you want to effectively communicate what God has put in this book, you're going to need some tools. I remember a couple years ago, I was getting rather bored, and I said, I've got to find a hobby. Well, I've always hunted all my life, and I thought, you know, I like to do that, but it's difficult to get places to hunt and this and that. So I thought, well, what can I do? And so looking on YouTube, I got the idea, I'm going to do some woodworking. And so I get YouTube, and I get the video, and this video says, these three tools, and you can build a house. These three tools, you know, you can conquer the world. So I go to Harbor Freight and get my three tools, you know. And then I look on there and I'm going to build this uh, Catalina table. And I'm going to impress my wife and I'm going to do all those things. Well, I go to a craft show and they've got all these things laid out. And so I'm talking with a guy and I guess I'm expressing my ignorance. You know, I've watched two YouTube videos, so I'm an expert on this. And so uh, I tell him what I'm going to do. And uh, he said, well, what tools you got? And I told him, you know, the three tools I got that you can build a house with and all that. And so he looked at me and he said, uh, preacher, I don't want to bust your bubble. He said, but you don't have the right tools and you don't know how to use them. Well, what we're doing today is to equip you with the right tools and the ability to use them. A library is a tool. Now, the problem a lot of people do is they'll take books and they'll run to the Bible. But this book should cause you to run to those books. What this morning, uh, what kind of crowd will we have if you had said we're having Charles Haddon Spurgeon here this morning? What if you said we're going to have uh, Guy King? We're going to have... Well, we. Uh, somebody says, well, what's the big deal with books? Well, let me tell you what uh, I have been able to do in my life. It impresses you. I've been able to ride uh, horseback with John Wesley through the Georgia colony. I've been able to sit in a fireside chat with John Owen and John Bunyan. I've sat at Keswick and I've heard Guy King and W. Groham Scroggy talk. How have I done that through books? Now, somebody says, well, books is just something boring and dead and dry. It is what is going to equip you. And as the preacher said, there's going to be four different qualities and types of preachers here. The first type is the type that doesn't last. You don't last till the water warms up. I remember when I was called and they lined all the preachers up. They had nine of us. And the only ones preaching today is me and the pastor. And that's kind of par for the course. Um, they were not really called. They just responded to the emotion of the moment. And so you're going to have that crowd. And then you're going to have the crowd like a Roman candle. All of a sudden, they're like those in the book of Mark. Uh, they'll sprout up and they'll look good for a while. Then tribulation, difficulty trials come and uh, they'll go by the wayside. And, you know, this time next year, some of you won't be here. This time two years, some of you won't be here. The third type are those who, they're in it for the end. And they hang in. They never do anything. They're on the church pew. They don't quit. Uh, they're there. They just never accomplish anything in the ministry. And the fourth quality and characteristic and the fourth type is somebody, it doesn't matter if they're pastoring 10 people or 100 people, they're a missionary or whatever, they faithfully accomplish what God's will is for their life. Now, that, that's where I want to be. 
I, I don't want to be the one that quits. I don't want to be the one when tribulation and trouble comes and I, I, I get by the wayside. I don't want to just sit and occupy. I want to do what God has called me to do effectively and accomplish the will of God and hear the well done that we all want to hear. Well, now, how do you do that? Now, we can listen to a lot of characteristics. You are to be full of the Holy Ghost. You are to be in this book. You are to keep your life clean. You are to make sure your family life is right. But one of the things that we often overlook is you're going to have to have some depth to your ministry. And the only way you will have depth to your ministry is to be a reader. I was reading Andy Andrews, who's an inspirational writer, and he had surveyed all the CEOs and successful people in the medical field, scientific field, and all the different areas. Now, they were different, men, women, liberals, conservatives, young, old, different uh, races, all those things, nothing in common. Two things they had in common. They all got up early and worked hard every day. The second thing was they were readers. They had some depth to their ministry. If you're in this for the long haul, if you're not just in this for the moment, if you're going to build a work and a ministry for God, you're going to have to have some depth to your life and your ministry. And to accomplish that, you're going to have to be well read. Now, I'll give you a couple of verses and we'll spring from them. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 13. The great apostle Paul, the apostle of the Gentiles. We can list a lot of the characteristics that he may have, but he said this to a young preacher. And I guess when he's talking to young Timothy, he would tell him the things that he would think is important for the ministry. In First Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 13, he says this, Till I come, give attendance to reading. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we know in the Mamertine prison, his life is about to be taken. And Paul is thinking about the important things. He says, well, I'm cold. Would you bring that cloak, that coat I need? Uh, he says, I want the parchments. I want the word of God. I'll need that. But then he said, bring the books. And so what I gather from these passages of scripture is that Paul was a well-read man. Now, Harry Truman gave the quote that everybody always uses, and it is that leaders are readers. What if I could sit down with Charles Haddon Spurgeon? I remember it, Brother Sammy's years ago, John Phillips was there, and that is what you were alluding to. And I remember him with the books, and I can tell you who he listened to and who he did not listen to. I remember afterwards at the dining hall, we got to sit across from John Phillips, and I'd read his books, and I'd had questions. I remember we got to ask him things, and you know, us young preachers just would ask him this or that, and you know, he would give answers to that, and I thought, man, that's great. You know, if I was a doctor and just starting out and I had the opportunity of having the best doctors that had ever lived to sit there and give me advice. If I was a lawyer, it's my first case. Now all the greatest lawyers and trial lawyers of history could sit there with me. Uh, would I be benefited from that? If I was going to build something and I had engineers and architects that had done great things and I had them at my resource, what could I do? Well, you and I have the advantage of that. The disadvantage is that books have never been more expensive. The positive is there has never been more resources available for you and I to study, to make ourselves approved unto God, and to accomplish the will of God for our life. I know some of you are thinking, well, preacher, you just don't 
understand me. We all have different personalities and temperaments. You say, I'm just the wired individual. I'm not the type that can sit in a room with a book all day. I've got to be doing things. I'm active. I'm all these things. Well, the truth of the matter is, if you are called of God, you're called to prepare. You're called to study. And to accomplish that, can you imagine what I can do? I know guys that say this, oh, well, I'm called of God. I'm, I got the Holy Ghost. I've got a King James Bible. Give me a water pistol. We'll charge the gates of hell. Okay, well, that's great. I understand the youthful enthusiasm about that. But the truth of the matter is, what if I could tap into Charles Haddon Spurgeon? What if I could tap in? You know, the thing that I like is about reading, it challenges you. And I want to be challenged to be the child of God that God has called me to be. And we have tools, and these are tools that God allows us to do. Now, guys, work out. And reading is a workout for the mind. It is expanding our mind. It is feeding us. We're not able to feed the flock of God if the shepherd is not fed. Now, my people may come in, and people come in my library, and they can come in, Brother Jones, and y'all's library, and I get the wow factor and all that. Well, wow, I get the, do you read all these books? Have you read all these books? All those things. And, and uh, th- there's tools that I use. But what that library is doing, that library is feeding me. So that in in turn, I can get up on Sunday morning, I can get up on the night service, I can get up on Wednesday night, I can go out in meetings and I can feed someone else because God has poured into me and so then I can pour out to them. Now, everybody always says, well, preacher, you know, give me the list of books that I need to buy. That's the worst thing you can do. Just because I recommend a book doesn't mean it's going to feed you. The truth of the matter is that when I was young, there were books I liked that I don't care for now. There's books now that feed me that didn't feed me then. There's seasons of life you'll go through that God will use the author at that particular time to feed you and encourage you. Don't go out and buy everything that everybody suggests and fill your shelves up and uh, empty your bank account and have your wife ask again, why is UPS and why is FedEx again at our house? So how do we do this? How practically can we build a library so that we can feed ourselves, that we can in turn feed God's people? The first thing you have to do, and this is something that probably you're wanting me to get right to the meat of the matter. Okay, tell me who, who, who on Colossians, who, who on this and that. The first thing you've got to do as a young preacher that I'm preaching to is land the plane. You say, what do you mean exactly by that? You've got to ground yourself in this book. Because otherwise, all I'm going to be doing is saying, read pink, but watch out for Calvinism. Read this book, but watch out because he's all millennial. And I'm going to tell you all those things. And you're going to, you're going to read yourself into Calvinism. You're going to read yourself into hyperdispensation. You're going to read yourself into all these things. And so the very first thing you need to do before you worry about those books and the library books is get along with God, get this book, get grounded in the Word of God. And so the books are supplementary to what you've already got so that you can read pink and you can read the Calvinism. I remember early on, someone said to me, they said, uh, do you believe in limited atonement? I said, absolutely not. They said, well, let me give you this book by John Owen, The Death of Death and the Death of Christ. They said it is unanswerable. You'll read it. You'll be a Calvinist. 
Well, I read the book and I, I admit it was deep and there were things to think about and made your mind go here, made your mind go there. But I closed the last chapter of the book and I believed exactly what I believed when I started the book because I had already grounded myself. And so when I go to Pink, when I go to John Owen, when I go to these books, all I am doing is supplementing what the knowledge that God has already given me. I had an assistant pastor that I had, uh, when I went there, he was already the assistant pastor. So he came on board, a good guy. He was from Maine, went back to Maine to start a church, doing well, inquisitive, liked to read, liked to study. I mean, and uh, he would bring things to me. He brought John Piper's book on the book of Ruth and said, read this, man, isn't this great? And uh, I read it and I said, uh, here, take some cassette tapes, send them to John Phillips for me, and maybe he'll understand the book of Ruth. I said, go get uh, James Jones' book of Ruth and give it to him, and maybe he'll understand the book. But what he did was, he was reading this, so he'd come to me and he'd say, well, I know, you know, this, but what about this, what about this? So finally I said to him, I said, John, you're going to have to land this plane somewhere or the other. And so what the first thing you're going to have to do is land the plane. People say, well, what about this? Your mind's wondering about Calvinism. It's wondering about the recovery uh, things. It's worried about uh, Reformed theology. And your mind's going all these places. You're going to have to settle some things. Because if books are the end to all, then yes, you can be led into liberalism. You can be led into every kind of error there is. So allow this book to drive you to books and don't let the books drive you to that. Now, you can be in one of two categories this morning. E- either you're the guy, you're active, you're busy, and you'll run in and grab a book, and you'll grab an outline book, and you'll get something to give to the people. Or you're the guy that, you know, you could push uh, bread and water under uh, the door, and you could be closeted with books for the rest of your life, never seeing anybody. I, t- I tell young preachers this, and they never agree with me. And uh, I tell them that the toughest thing about pastoring that church, that first church, is not the dreaded six-letter word people. Now, people are people, and you'll face things. And you're going to face things they did not cover in college. You're going to face things that you've never heard about. I mean, you, I've, I've been in this thing a long time, and I've had things I said, well, I've never seen that one before. And so you're going to have, all, but that's not the toughest thing. The toughest thing you're going to have is what the Puritans referred to as the endless return of the Sabbath. Meaning when you're done with Sunday morning, there's Sunday night. When you're done with Sunday night, there's Wednesday night. When you're done with Wednesday night, there's Sunday morning. And if you're not careful, the well is going to dry up real quick. And you're going to have absolutely nothing to give them. Then the stories come. And the, I know everybody's got ideas. I'm not, I'm not against some topical preaching here and there. But by and large, what your ministry should be is to preach the book like the book was given. To go through the text. To go through the Bible. And to lay out the people and to feed them. And those who don't want it, those who are not converted, those who are the fringe type people, yeah, you're probably going to lose all them. But you're going to have a group of people that love God, love the Word of God, and come to the house of God hungry and want to be fed. And the way that God enables me to feed them is, yes, get in the book and allow this book to drive me to the other books. But it is the fact that I realize I am not that smart. 
And I can have a conversation with Spurgeon and he can shed light on this. Or I can ride with those early Methodist preachers and I can ride with Edward McKendry who E.M. Bounds was named after and I can fight people in Kentucky in the barn dances and I can be encouraged. I can get E.M. Bounds and I can drive me to my knees. I can read Ravenhill and want revival and be stirred by that. And so the truth of the matter is it's not the dry thing about a book. It's the passion to preach and want to accomplish what God wants for our life and a tool to do that is books. Now I could give you quotes. Thomas Jefferson who is equated perhaps as the greatest intellect that we've had as far as a president said I cannot live without books. Elon Musk said this when they asked him how to build rockets. He said I read books. Reading books is not the end, but it is saying that I have a desire to learn. I have a desire to expand. I have a desire to grow. Because the more that I can take in, the more I can then give out to others. We are carpenters. We're building messages. And without the right tools and the knowledge and how to use them, we'll not be able to consistently produce sound biblical messages. A good personal library is God's table spread where we, the shepherds, are fed. So in turn, because we're fed, the sheep will not grow hungry. Today, if you are a reader, tomorrow you will be a leader. Reading gives us some place to go when you have to stay where you are. I've been able to uh, go and uh, crawl on my belly in India looking for man-eating tigers with Jim Corbett. I've been able to do things that I never could do merely by allowing those books to take me there. Okay, well, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let me give you three thoughts about books. First of all, needing a library. Why to do it? Well, there's benefits to that. Because when you read, I'll give you some benefits. Reading reduces stress and helps you to relax. I love to read just when I'm stressed out. When I've heard the last marital problem I ever want to hear. When I hear why they're leaving. When I've been stressed out about everything, I just like to, re- to relax. I remember as a boy, I could go uh, with the Hardy Boys and I could solve a mystery. I could be Charlie and I could walk through the chocolate factory. I could do all those things. And so it just helps you to relax and get away from everything. Uh, but then it improves your memory and your concentration. I've met a lot of guys I thought were sharp and uh, guys that I wanted to listen to and guys I wanted to learn from. And those guys, I realize, are readers. Now, uh, we were talking earlier, and Brother Wells asked me, and he says, reading, how do you do it? And he was telling me about how he reads. And a lot of times in my devotions, I'll have six to eight or more books that I read, and I may be reading this book about preaching. I may be reading this book about history, and I've got all the different things there. And so that's making me a well-rounded individual with the ability to go in the pulpit. If you read John Phillips' commentary, On Psalms, one of the things that strikes is his historical illustrations that he gives that makes things come alive. Well, the way you do that is knowing history. The way you're able to connect with people is to understand where they're at and what they're going through. And you do that through reading. Okay, well, what are some mistakes people make in buying libraries? First one is buying complete sets. 
almost utterly useless. It's going to look good on the shelf for a while till you run out of shelf space and then you realize that the pulpit commentary really don't help that much. The biblical illustrator is just not illustrating too much to me. You know, the uh, preacher's homiletical commentary is just hom- not homileticaling me anymore. And you realize all those things. The truth of the matter is, uh, you know, you would, if you went to my library, Brother Jones' library, uh, if you went there and you said to yourself as a young preacher, I'm going to have that. Well, unless you're very wealthy in this day and hour, you're not going to have that. And you're probably not going to be able to get some of them hard-to-get books anymore. But you're living in a unique day and hour where you have more resources than we ever had. Brother Jones, I'd go to Brother Bryant's library and we would wear out copy machines, copying books from his library. To finally, he'd come in and said, boys, enough is enough. That's what we did. But you have resources that are, uh, never has been. The, the problem today is not tools, it's knowing how to use the tools. I mean, you can go on, as you all know, Precept Austin. You can go on studylight.com. You, you could go and you could read sermons on sermon audio. Uh, you can hear them on sermon audio. You can read them on sermon search. You can pay for them. Uh, and you, there's so many resources out there. If a book is out of print, you can go to archive.com and usually find it for free on the internet. I mean, there is resources out there that never has been. Now, you can waste your time going through them. You have to learn who to look and who to not look for and all those things. But uh, the resources is not the problem. And another thing, and I'm not just puffing him up and, and them. We were talking earlier, and Brother Wells is a great encourager. If you've never been around him, he's a great encourager. He said uh, he said he was 56, and they were talking about how old. And I said, I'm, he said, you're probably 60. Yeah, you look 60. I said, thank you, brother. Your ministry is out of Barnabas. You're a great encourager. Yes, I'm 60. And so we we were talking about that. And uh, the fact of the matter is, when it comes to books, the things that now at 60 that feed me didn't feed me earlier on. Now there's books everybody should get. Warren Wiersbe, get Warren Wiersbe. He's genius at taking complex things and simplifying them. There's guys that everybody should have. Uh, but let's take the book of Colossians, for example. I get missionaries all the time that polo me and people that ask me and say, okay, you know, give me top five books or I'm going to preach through Colossians. What should I get? Well, if you go to the YouTube and you do the YouTube Google search on the what's the best commentaries on Colossians, well, the usual suspects come up. You've got Douglas Moo. You've got G.K. Uh, Beale. You've got David Powell. You've got uh, Peter O'Brien. You've already spent $150 right there. You've got those books, and what you've got is books that lean heavily reformed. You've got books with a definite anti-King James bias to them. You've got already problems with that. But, you know, and you say, well, preacher, I don't want to have to spend $150 to go through the book of Colossians. Well, the truth of the matter is you can go online. You could get Guy King. You could get W.H. Griffith Thomas. You could go through, I'll give you five or six books, and get a word study book, and you could accomplish the very same thing. So it's knowing the tools and knowing how to use the tools. Now, everybody's different here. 
Some of you will never move from behind the pulpit. You'll never raise your voice. That's fine. It is not style. It is the substance of the message. Some of you are wired. You're going to be up and down the aisles. You're going to be telling stories. You're going to have them laugh and cry. And our gifts, our talents were equipped differently. But one thing we could do when we come to the pulpit, and one thing that our people do, he is right. When they come, they have work, they've labored, and they come in, and uh, we're mad because they're half asleep, or you know, we're angry because of this. But they've taken their time to come in, and they deserve a man of God to be well prepared. They need a man of God that has a word from God and has some depth to them to give them, so they can go back to the job tomorrow. They can go back and deal with what they have to deal with. They don't get to sit in a library. They don't get to sit in a study all day and feed on that. And so you and I are with the tools that God has given us. And so what I'm trying to say is uh, in this day and hour, we I, I believe this is where I was going my 60 story. Uh, I think there are better young preachers today than they've ever been. When me and you were coming along, I don't think the quality was there that's there now. I mean, there are better quality young preachers than they have ever been. But one of the things is, because of so many resources and tools available, and so many shortcuts now, they are not paying the price to get the message to deliver it. It's too easy. And when it is so easy that you can merely go and pay at Sermon Search, and you can download that, and you can copy and paste. And I'm not against using other material. I'm talking about books. I'm talking about using things. I'm not. But when it is so easy, and you just simply we can. I'm, hey, I know there's weeks when all of a sudden the hospital visit comes, when somebody dies, and your study time is gone out the window. Somebody asked Jerry Vines one time. He was talking to a bunch of young preachers, and they said, uh, Dr. Vines, can you give us how that you prepare Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? He said, oh, Sunday morning. He said, I'm studying. I'm breaking it out. I'm doing this and that. 20 hours in my message. He said, Sunday night. He said, I'm five or six hours into it, giving depth. Wednesday night, I wing it. Well, hey, there's times that because of what happens, you're going to have to use those resources. But when you're using it three times a week, when that's all you're doing and it's the crutch you're leaning on, then you're not growing. Somebody said, how do you build a library? And one of the things I'm going to talk about if I get there is you build it slowly because you grow with your library. Brother Wells asked me how many books I had. You know, I can tell him I got a library here at the church, a library at the house, library boxed up and all those things. Let me just bear my heart to you. When I had that small library, I could find everything. When I had the small library, I knew where every resource was. Now with apps, I'm looking half a day to find this and find that. And so don't be impressed by the fact that we've got thousands of volumes. Uh, Find the fact that with a good, small, well-selected library, you and the resources online can have everything that you'll need to feed granny. You'll have everything you need to that teenage boy that's facing all the temptation. You'll be able and equipped to feed them. And so we're talking about, well, how do you do that? Well, you need a library. You read. There's benefits to reading. Reading's a discipline. Almost every successful leader is known to be a reader. Well, how do you read? Read books like they were written. 
here's where people mess up. Somebody says, okay, I'm going through the book of Hebrews. And somebody says, hey, go buy seven volumes. John Owen, you've got to have it. John Owen's the prince of Puritans. Probably the deepest Puritan, the hardest Puritan to read. I mean, people want to read Puritans, they'll start with John Owen's and pretty soon they give up the ghost and they quit. <laughs> and so you've got the seven volumes by John Owen. Okay, you're preaching through Hebrews. Well, you've gone to the hospital. Uh, you cancel this or that. Uh, your wife had to do that. You're looking after the young and you've got all these things. So you're running your study and you're going to run to John Owen's and pretty soon you're going to find this is not working for what I'm doing here. Now, John Owens is a great writer. I recommend him, but you're using him wrong. The way you read John Owens is read five chapters, read a chapter a day, read five pages a day, read them devotionally. William Gurnall, one of the best books on Christian armor you can ever get, and uh, you already get it. It takes two people to tote the book, but I mean, it's like that. You're, you're preaching through the armor of God, so you get William Gurnall, and you're going to read William Gurnall. Well, you, you, you turn, okay, I'm going to talk about shoes of peace. You turn over there, 55 pages on the shoes of peace. And pretty soon what those books have just been placed back on the library shelf, never to be used again, because you're using the tools wrong. William Gurnall, take him as a devotional reader and read him every day. So one thing that frustrates people is they don't know how to build a library. They build it the wrong way. They don't build it like they need to build it. So how do you read? I wrote this down. Read intellectually for your mind. Read books that's going to stretch you. Read books you've got to reread that page. Read books that makes you think. Read books that makes you call a preacher. Read books that makes me polo him and say, what do you think about this? Read books that's going to stretch you. Then not only read intellectually for the mind to stretch us, but read motivationally for the will to stir us. I mean, read books that makes you want to charge hell. Read books that makes you want to see God revive our nation. I mean, yeah, read Havner and crawl on your knees. I mean, you read E.M. Bounds and you want to get up with John Fletcher in England at four in the morning and have holes in the wood because you have prayed, prayed, prayed. Read those books that charge you and motivate you. And you know, when, every time I like to read the book by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Now, he was Welch and, you know, he had that dry Welch scent. But you read his book on preaching and it's man like he grabs you yeah. and he is intense about that thing. And I come away from reading that saying, hey, put the pulpit. I want to preach. I want to give them what God has given me. Everybody says, well, this is a boring subject. It's dull. It's books. It is unless you allow these things to change you. So you read intellectually for the mind to stretch us. You read motivationally for the will to stir us. Then you read devotionally for the heart to satisfy us. Sometimes I read books that maybe I've already, I, I know what they're going to say. I mean, I know it. I could, I could have written the book myself. But it just does my heart good. I mean, it just, it helps me. It stirs. The guy king, the guy king wasn't as deep as some, but he always just spoke to the issue and stirred my heart. And where's being August Van Ryan? So how to read. Read books like they were written. Then uh, who to acquire. What we always did and growing up, we'd go to libraries and I preach for preachers. The first thing I do, I'm going through the library. I'm looking, I'm saying, well, what about this guy? What about this guy? Find books that's going to, and hey, on food, I'm not really adventuresome, but sometimes I'll sample food 
before I order a plate of it. Because I want to know before I spend the $30, am I going to actually eat this food? And so, sample. So if I tell you, hey, Wearsby's great, I tell you, August Van Ryan, I give you a thousand books on that. Well, there's so many, find something by them, read them, and see if it does anything for you. And if it doesn't, put it aside and find somebody that does do something for you. So, read books. Be balanced in your reading. Read different authors, different ideas. Broaden your reading. Back in the days of cassette tapes, when that's all we had. You get tape of the month from this preacher. Tape of the month from that preacher. You could almost sit in the congregation and tell who he has subscribed as the tape of the month to. Because it came through. There was a Southern Baptist evangelist, Sam Cathy. He was a Calvinist, but he witnessed. He was straight, but he was a hard and tough guy. And I had a Southern Baptist preacher near me. His wife said one time to him, she said, I wish you would come back and you'd leave Sam Cathy where Sam Cathy is. Because he had listened to so many of Sam Cathy, he had become Sam Cathy. Yeah, I, I love it when the imitations, I, I love that. My son can do Milton Taylor like you've never seen Milton Taylor. I love it, it cracks me up all the time. I, I love those things. But don't be an imitator. You were preaching the book of Revelation. One time I thought to myself, well, I'm just going, I, I like to collect books on prophecy. I've always been a prophetic type of guy. And so I said to myself, I'm going to count how many books I've actually got on Revelation. i got a problem. I'm a bibliophile. I'm registered online. I'm a bibliophile. Some of y'all are looking, what is he? That means a lover of books. Somebody's thinking, well, what is he? How weird is he? I had 120 commentaries on Revelation. Now, I have preached through Revelation. How many of those 120 books on Revelation do you think I can actually use in preaching through Revelation? Four or five. And so, don't get hung up with how many books there are. Buy the best books. Back to tools again. I'm a cheap guy. I like Harbor Freight. It's not going to last, but I like it. You can get coupons. But hey, the guy that's building houses every week, the mechanic is taking off truck tires, is not buying from Harbor Freight. So learn to buy quality stuff. It doesn't have to be a lot. If you're going through the book of Ruth, to be honest with you, you could go and you could get Edward Boone, maybe Paul Sika, James Jones, those three books, and get on your knees and pray and you'd have everything you'd ever need for the book of Ruth. And so it is about buying things that speak to you. It's buying things that, a guy told me one time, he said, preacher, he said, yeah, I use Festool. If you don't know anything about Festool, that's high dollar stuff. And I said, well, I said, man, that costs three times as much as Milwaukee or whatever, DeWalt and all that stuff. And he says, it saves me time. I get to accomplish what I need to accomplish. It makes me money. Well, the fact about books is that you buy things that speak to you, that encourage you, and books that no matter what you have to invest, whether it's the three or four books, you buy those books that's going to help you and give you exactly what you need because you have to have the tools for that. So uh, how do you do that? Secondly, not only needing a library, you ought to need one. And I've told you why, but secondly, quickly, notice this, building a library, how to do it. 
build slow. Now, my wife has finally got to the point, and your wife will get there too, or either you'll be divorced. But anyway, she'll get gets to the point where she doesn't even ask, you know, why FedEx is pulling up and, you know, why there's an order on Amazon again. She just says, books. She said, another dress, books, you know. And so uh, it gets to that place. And so how do you build slow? Build slow. Don't get in a hurry. Build systematically. Have a plan about this. Now, hey, if I see a book online that's cheap that I need, I don't need now, I'm going to buy it. But here's why you should preach through books of the Bible. Okay, you just got saved, you're called to preach, and all of a sudden a pastor opens up, you're passing for the first time. And, uh, man, you're going to be over here, over here, over here, over here. you got 66 books that you're dealing with. Okay? And you got to have something on 66 books. It's impossible. Find a book. Preach through the book. Find a couple books. Preach through it. Find a subject. Preach through it. And buy things that will help you accomplish that. Then, 50 years down the road, when you're Brother Jones, you look and you have built the library. But you have built it slowly because you have bought carefully, you have bought consistently, and you buy cheaply. Somebody said, okay, preacher, here's the biggie. Is it e-books or is it books in hand? Which should you do? Truth of the matter is, whatever fits for you. It would be foolish for you if you can get a Kindle book for $9 and the book hardback is going to be $60. It would be foolish to buy the hardback and do that. But I'll I'll tell you this. Some of you in here, you're going to be e-guys. Everything is online. That's great. No problem with that. But let me tell you something. Balance your reading. Get books in hand every now and then and read that. It's a different experience than you'll get online. And then if you're like me, a Renaissance guy, you're old school. You want the book in hand. You want the hardbacks. You want the dust jackets. You want the patina. Uh, You you buy for all those things. Uh, Read books online. It's a different experience. Be balanced in your reading and be balanced who you read after. Read sometimes guys that you don't even agree with. See, this is why you got to land the plane. You got to get grounded. You got to know what you believe. Because when all that happens, then I can read the guy that's going to talk about reform theology and he's going to talk about replacement theology and I can say, okay, I don't agree with that, but it challenges me to get deeper in what I know I do believe. So don't just read everybody that you agree with. Don't read everybody that's going to say the same thing you're going to say. If that was the case, write your own book. So you build slowly. You build systematically. You've got a plan in motion on how you're going to build. And then build smart. Buy what you need when you need it. And then as you go on, fill in the gaps. I like uh, used bookstores. There's a big one. I'm not going to tell you all my secrets, but I, I got used bookstores I go to. And the other day I come out. And me and back, Mike Bagwell was in there. We're the only guys with shopping buggies with books. I mean, you've got to love Mike Bagwell. His wife is a Georgia football fan, so he'll buy tickets, and they'll be sitting down. And so she's up cheering, and he's got the book open, you know. That's Dr. Bagwell. 
And so it's me and him in there. And I looked on my shelf, and I had about four books, and I think I spent $2 a piece. And these were reference books from the 70s and some books with geography and different things. But I just pulled put, put those books down, and I thought, I said, if I had, I could take those books, and I could take Wilmington's book on the Bible. And if you had somebody, you could, if somebody would just give themselves to master those books, if you took one book, Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, and you thoroughly mastered that book. You read it, reread it, reread it, and read. You would be in the top 10% of knowledge of all the preachers in here right now. So it's not about having, having. It's about letting those books you have have you. It's about getting into them and them getting into you. It's about, you know, and I understand that young guys say, well, you know, I don't need this. I don't need that. Let me tell you something. After a few years of ministry, you're going to need everything you can get from everybody. You can get it. I was, we're talking about age, and I, I made this statement. I say it respectfully because Brother Joe ordained me. Brother Brian and Brother Jones, I'm glad they're here. I feel like a young guy now. Somebody says, well, how do you last? Over 100 years last night, wasn't it? 108, somebody, 106. How do you last 106 years combined in the ministry? I'll tell you how. Because you have depth to your ministry. It is not shallow where you jump around, do this or that. There's depth and there's width to the ministry that enable you to stay somewhere, to invest in people, to accomplish something in the ministry. And they would say the same thing. God has given them a depth. And I'll tell you why God's given them the depth. Because, yes, they have allowed uh, these books to be their friends. And what these books are, and Charles Spurgeon has the greatest greatest quote for this. I don't know if it's in there. But uh, basically the quote is this. There is only one book's. Allow the many books to drive you to the one book, but don't allow the uh, many books to replace the one book. Don't allow those books to replace the one book. But as we said, uh, allow them to supplement you. Man, what would I have give if I could walk into a time machine? And I could go back to 1880 and I could sit in that 12,000 volume library two-story in England and sit down with the bearded wonder, the Baptist preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and say, Mr. Spurgeon, can I pick your brain for a while? I could walk across town to Joseph Parker, who could thunder, you could hear him a half a mile. And I could say, Dr. Parker, I mean... and I could walk into Alexander McLaren and he's got a suit on and boots on because he realized that, work, that the ministry is work and he wore work boots to the office every day. And I could sit down and talk with him. But hey, I don't care how sci-fi you are, there's no time machine. There's no getting in and going back. But through pulling them off, and we've got a preacher friend that's an evangelist, here's what he says. He says, and I'm not going to quote him often, but I'll quote him this time. <laughs> He says, when you pull that book off, you're not pulling a book off, you're pulling a preacher off. You're pulling an author off. You're pulling a man off. You're pulling off the experiences he's had that God has poured into him that now God can use to pour into you and to I. So we are needing a library, building a library, how to do it. Then lastly, using a library, what to do. My time is up, so real quickly, let me give you this. Use it effectively. Organize and analyze. 
Know where things are. Know how to get to them. As much as I'm a dinosaur, renaissance guy, an old guy, love old books, I can be sitting at my desk. I can be studying something with my iPad open. The truth of the matter is most of the time I can find it, copy and paste it uh, right there at my desk before I can get up and find it on the bookshelf. So find what works for you. Begin to use that. Grow, grow small, just by little increments and build a library. And if it's a small library, let it be a good library. Choose a few good books. I noticed this over the years, and I'd go in old preacher's libraries, and they'd have all the standard books there, and they never pulled them off and never used them. I told about the book of Revelation. You can take four or five books on Revelation. You can preach through it and you can accomplish everything I can with 120 books because here's the truth. A lot of guys, all they do is regurgitate what somebody else said. They have repeated Larkin. They've repeated this one or that one. And so that's all you're getting. Find the four or five guys that are able uh, and do this. I, I got it. I get the exegetical commentary because it fills in the gap. I get the devotional guy. I get the guy that's going to charge me. I get the things and I get those five books and I'm able to use them. And so use it effectively. Then use it biblically. Here's Spurgeon's quote. Visit many books, but live in the book. It is a supplemental source and not the primary source. That guy that's been read into Calvinism, it becomes the primary source. He prides himself in reading every systematic theology there is. He prides himself in reading every period. And I'm not against that. I am for that. Read those things. But what he does, that's the primary source. Then they come back to scriptures like the guy said, man, I got a great thought if I can just find a text to go with it. Then using it consistently. Tool maintenance, time management, right tools, the best tools in the long run will save you time and money. Truth of the matter is find somebody that will feed you so that you can look out on Wednesday night and that guy that's dragging because he's welded all day. Find somebody that will feed you that will enable you to feed them. Have a passion for preaching and it will drive you to books, tools that will supplement that and allow you to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. Amen. 